0: St. Francis of Assisi is always credited with uh, a very uh, familiar kind of common quote, and it's, uh, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Well, there have been a lot of researchers, a lot of studies done, and St. Francis never said that. (laughs) But it certainly is one of kind of the qualities of many of the things that he preached about, many of the things that he talked about. And I believe it's something that um, we as Christians in our modern time here in 2019, I can't believe it, yep, uh, that we also need to be about. We need to, to do what Jesus did, and we need to make the leap from doing acts of service, living a good life, treating other people like we want to be treated, You see, we need to do that, but we also need to make the leap from those kind of things that are very hard to define to actually putting words to the gospel message. And I think when St. Francis Francis said those words or or kind of communicated that message, if you will, that what he was saying is, is there's so much about our lives That supports the gospel message. There's so much about what we do and what we say and how we treat people that supports that message. And I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when my lack of an act of service, whether intentional or unintentional, or my lack of treating people with love and respect, or my lack of the way that I've lived my life, has possibly cause damage to the gospel message. And I think that we need to understand that it's a both-and thing. Jesus got it. In everything that he did, he served people. He, he met physical needs. He, he fed those who were hungry. He, he gave wine. He supplied wine to a wedding party when they ran out. He healed people. He was all about meeting physical needs. But at some point in time, he always made this jump to communicating the greatest need. And that is our need for a savior. Our need for rescue because our sin separates us from God. And so, yes, we need to preach the gospel at all times. And when necessary, we need to use words. But at some point in time, we need to use words. I went on a trip to Nairobi, and you saw some of the video there. You saw some amazing dancing there. It was so impressive, they even got me involved in I Don't Dance. They were amazing kids. We we visited, uh, I I don't know, hundreds of kids in uh, probably about 12 different schools. One thing I know about No Hungry Children, and you just uh, saw Brandon and Kim and Cammie Smith. Uh, Brandon and Kim uh, started this organization years ago, about eight years ago, um, when they saw the need in the slums of Nairobi. Uh, Poor doesn't even begin to describe it. And if you were here back in October, uh, myself and a few others, uh, Steve and Bill, gave a report on our trip to Nairobi. We saw things that, honestly, I'd been all around the world and not seen the type of poverty that I saw there. And so No Hungry Children goes into Nairobi, and they've partnered with this organization called Man of Ministries. And Maurice, who's just an amazing man of God who grew up in, in Nairobi, and in Kasumu, uh, there um, in, in uh, Kenya, um, he is the leader of this organization, and he and many volunteers are the ones that actually deliver the food that we all raise money for to the schools. 21 different schools in the slums of Nairobi, over 3,300 kids. You and I, we are a part of feeding them nine months out of the year, two meals a day. It's amazing to see the operation run mainly by volunteers. It's really incredible. But one thing Maurice and Brandon, and I'm, I'm now on the board with a few others uh, for uh, No Hungry Children here, um, is we realize that we need to make that jump like Jesus did from, from the physical to the spiritual. And that's always been a goal of No Hungry Children. And um, just, just this past weekend, uh, we decided that um, we're going to help Maurice and Mana of Ministries by, by um, supplying um, chaplains to go in and to communicate that message to the kids that we feed. And so we're helping make that, making that jump from the physical to communicating the message of Jesus. It's amazing what they're doing in a place so far away from here. I love our, our ministry partners, not just No Hungry Children, but Row Kids and Oasis of Blessing Church. It's in, those are two different organizations that we partner with in Belize, and we've gotten to know this pastor that one day, I hope you get to meet Maurice from Nairobi, and also uh, Kevin, this pastor of Oasis of Blessing in San Ignacio, Belize, because man, this guy is on fire for Jesus. I, I, I promise you, you would come out of your seat if he preached here this morning. It would be amazing. A lot better than this I promise you okay so like he is awesome both of these guys are but I love it because we're going into schools into underprivileged areas of Belize in in the jungle and kind of the mountain jungle not the part where you stop on a cruise ship and see we're going deep two hours in and we're helping we're conducting soccer clinics and we're uh, leading VBS and Kevin and, and our church are partnering together with his church to come up with this idea of having uh, people go around and visit these schools, these little villages out in the country, away uh, outside of San Ignacio, the city that he lives in, to help communicate that message. We understand that at some point in time, we need to be communicating that message. Our partner in Atlanta is, uh, is uh, the Navigators. We partner with Clinton Leanne Trebesch there, and they do an amazing job of, of helping refugees and uh, reaching out to college students, which Atlanta is filled with college students. They, they help feed the poor. They do all of these amazing works and these acts of kindness, but they also understand that at some point in time, we make the jump to actually communicating the message, and I'll tell you, nobody does it more clearly than the Navigators and Clint and Leanne Trebesh. We have a new partner, the Gallery Church of Manhattan. Some of you have heard Cynthia and I talk about it. It's, a, it's a, a church that we were a part of starting about 12 years ago, and there was an intern by the name of Stanley Thomas who was an intern for us, um, an amazing young man of God who has just recently been called to, to lead that church. And now he's leading that church, and they're doing an amazing job in Chelsea, New York, Manhattan, preaching the gospel, and they make the jump from service opportunities to preaching the message. And I think that sometimes we miss that jump Right, We help serve, we're a part of serving, and yes, that's a part of the gospel message. But at some point in time, we we need to put words to this. i got to tell you, church, the, the other thing that we may miss sometimes is the fact that God has been about the redemption of mankind since the beginning. Listen, from the beginning of time, God has selected his people to be the messenger of his gospel. All the way back in the Garden of Eden, God began communicating the story of redemption. By the way, gospel, that word, we use that sometimes flippantly in church, and we assume everybody knows what that means. It's not like you use that every day. You don't, like, you know, get in your car and ask your kids, hey, what's the gospel today? You know, you don't do that. So the gospel literally means good news. That's all it means. It just means good news. In the New Testament, we find out that's what the word gospel means But I gotta tell you, from the beginning of time, God has been about the story of redemption. Get this, the story of the gospel began in creation. A lot of you know the creation story back in Genesis chapter 1. God created the heavens and the earth, and he spun everything that we see around us into being. And yes, you can debate the timeline on that, but there was a God. There was someone who had intelligent design. I believe that without a shadow of a doubt. He spun everything into being. And when he was done, he he looked and he saw that it was good. And it's amazing because there in paradise, in the Garden of Eden, were Adam and Eve. And one of the most amazing things about perfection, about paradise, was they had no shame. Check this out. Genesis 2.25 um, uh, says this, and the man and the woman, they were both naked and were not ashamed. We're going to start with that verse, the naked verse. Yep, that's how we started, all right? My middle school son, will love that one. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they weren't ashamed But then it goes on to tell the story that the very one thing, just the one thing that God told them not to do, they did. They chose to take the fruit from the one tree that God said to not take the fruit from. They had all of paradise, all of their needs met in perfection, and they chose to disobey God, and sin entered the scene. Sin entered the world. And if you bounce down to Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, it says this. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves a loincloth. i got to tell you that it's interesting. Yeah, we've used naked and loincloth all in one message already in the first few minutes. i, I got to tell you that one of the things that sin does, and I don't think we realize it, is that sin exposes ourselves. That's the results of us disobeying God. But in that one verse, we see the good news. I don't know if you see it. It's hidden there. Because God provided fig leaves that they were able to cover themselves. And what was once exposed was now covered by something that God provided. It's amazing to see that from the beginning of time... God was at work providing a way out of our sin. He's been at work with the redemption of humanity from the beginning of time, and sometimes we just relegate it. We kind of like draw the conclusion that it's just a Jesus, New Testament, you know, our modern time thing. It's not at all. God has been at work since the beginning of creation. I had a professor in one of my seminary classes and. He said, you know, creation is the backdrop of the gospel story. It's a part, a huge part of it. It's the scene that sets the stage. And God knew all along that Adam and Eve would sin. And that he knew that at some point in time he would need to send a redeemer because we all sin. Romans tells us that. And so this story of redemption, the story of the good news, the gospel message has existed since the beginning of creation. But the spread of the gospel even began before God sent Jesus into the world. I love looking back and and taking a look at one of my pastors used to say, look for the scarlet thread of, of, of God's redemptive work all throughout the Bible and all throughout history. And you see it going all the way back to the beginning of time. First Chronicles, uh, says this, it says, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. The word declare that's used all the way back, maybe thousands of years before the next word I'm going to tell you, is a similar word in a different language from the word that's used, we're going to take a look at it in a moment, which is proclaim the message. You see, all the way back at the beginning, God is instructing his people to declare his glory. The spread of the gospel and the gospel message has existed since the beginning of time. And there's a story I want to look at, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. We're going to park here for a few minutes. There's this great story about this unsung, unknown hero that I believe was one of the very first missionaries. For, for most of you, if I were to ask you who was like one of the first missionaries, you might kind of go to the New Testament, and you might say someone like Paul or maybe Peter or maybe Thomas, and you might list some of the disciples, some of the more familiar disciples, and you'd be right about that in the New Testament. But really, if you look back, there were several different missionaries that took the gospel message to a different land all the way back in the Old Testament. I want to talk about one of them today. It's this little unknown servant girl who's a Jewish servant girl, and she finds herself in a foreign land. And when given the opportunity, she declares the glory of God to someone important. It's a story of this man by the name of Naaman. Check this out from 2 Kings 5. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man. With his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now, leprosy was a skin disease that in this day and age was nearly impossible to cure. If you were cured of this disease, it was truly a miracle. And this great man of valor, this warrior, this mighty man, was strong enough to be a conqueror. But he had this terrible disease called leprosy. Now, Syrians, verse 2, it says Now, the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel. And she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria? He would cure him of his leprosy. So here we have this little girl who speaks up when Naaman and his wife are having a discussion about the fact that there is no hope. Naaman had tried everything to cure this terrible disease, and nothing had worked. And in the midst of this distressful situation, this little, humble servant girl says, Wait a minute. There's a man of God, and you need to go see this man of God. Because he's a man of God, I believe that he can heal you. And so in desperation, in verse 4, Naaman went in, and he told his lord, thus and so, and spoke from the girl of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And so this great warrior goes to see this prophet of God, Elisha, and he goes to see this prophet of God, and he is so disappointed when he arrives. I'm going to fast forward through a lot of these verses. He's he's disappointed when he arrives um, because when he arrives, he doesn't actually get to see this great prophet of God. Have you ever had that ha- happen? Like you're wanting to go to the doctor and you end up seeing the assistant, right? <laughs> All of you are like, yeah, yeah, I've been there before. Or, or you go to meet someone who like, is famous and you, you, you may have some admiration for this person and they end up sending someone else. Like, That's not the reason I came here. And so this great warrior, Naaman, he arrives to see this great prophet, and he's disappointed because the prophet sends a messenger out of his house. And I'm sure Naaman's like, I'm right here. I'm where you live. Why don't you just come out? He sends a prophet out of the house to to give the message of what he's supposed to do. And I'm sure that he's disappointed in that. But he was equally disappointed, I'm sure, with the instructions that the messenger gave on behalf of this great man of God. Because the message was, go down to the Jordan River, put yourself in the river seven times, and you'll be healed. I'm sure Naaman is like, look, I've been to all the clinics. Like, I've been to Jacksonville, I've been to Cleveland, I've done the New York thing. Like, I have investigated everything. And you're telling me if I go to the Jordan River and dip myself in the river seven times, I'll be healed? There's no way. Absolutely no way. And the Bible says that he was filled with rage. He was angry. And he leaves and goes to the Jordan, and he considers it, and he thinks about not doing it. And one of his servants basically says, look, how's all this other stuff working out for you? Time to give this a try. Time to give God a try. And so he reluctantly dips himself in seven times. Let's pick up with verse 14. He went down. He dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was, what's that next word? Restored. It's awesome. It's restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, He and all of his company, and he came, and he stood before him, and he said these words, this this warrior, this great man, uh, this man of mighty valor who probably didn't believe in the one true God to this point. He says, behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. There is one God, so accept now a present from your servant. And the story continues and Naaman's little servant girl, I believe, becomes one of the very first messengers of the good news of God, the redemptive story. I love it. Absolutely love it. I think it highlights a couple things. First and foremost, when it comes to sharing the gospel, we are not limited by our own physical limitations. Listen, I want you to hear that. In sharing the gospel, we are not limited by age we're not limited by by how young or how old we are we're not limited by what may keep us down because god will provide an opportunity listen this girl this little servant girl was taken into captivity imagine that day imagine that day she was taken kidnapped taken as a prisoner in a foreign land but when she had the opportunity she opened her mouth and she pointed this man who was in need to the one true God. We're not limited by how young or how small we are or how much we may know about God's word. We're not limited by that. I love the story. Leighton Ford uh, tells a story of some of his interactions with Billy Graham who, as many of you know, Went on to be with the Lord uh, just almost a year ago. I think it was in February. And he tells the story in one of his books about Billy Graham. I love the story. He says this, I was speaking at an open air crusade in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Billy Graham was to speak the next night, and he had arrived a day early. Don't forget that. He came incognito and sat on the grass at the rear of the crowd because he was wearing a hat and dark glasses. No one recognized him. Directly in front of him sat an elderly gentleman who seemed to be listening intently to the presentation, the presentation that was going on at the time. When I invited people to come forward as an open sign of commitment, Billy decided to do a little personal evangelism himself. He tapped the man on the shoulder and he said, sir, would you like to accept Christ? I'll be glad to walk down with you if you want to go. Well, the old man looked up and down him, thought it over for a moment, and he said, no, I'm just going to wait till the big guns come in tomorrow. <laughs> Layton says, Billy and I had several good chuckles over that incident. Unfortunately, it underlines how in the minds of many people, evangelism is the task of the big guns. It's true, isn't it? We often say, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to do anything in this situation because someone else that's bigger and better than me will be able to do it in a better way than me. And we sell ourselves and the power of the gospel message short. And this message of Naaman and this little servant girl underlines that there are no big guns and little shots in the gospel message. There are just the people of God, you and me, on mission to declare his glory. And so this message, I believe, shows that when it comes to sharing the gospel, we're not limited by our physical limitations, but we're also not limited by our geographic borders. She was in a foreign land, probably in a circumstance definitely not of her own doing, and certainly something that should have been and probably was oppressive. And she didn't let that stop her. She communicated it anyway. The third thing I want you to hear today is the sharing of the gospel Is our responsibility in both how we live like Jesus and when we intentionally go and share it with others. There's two main passages in the New Testament that kind of brings this whole scarlet thread of God's redemptive story to completion. And the first one is in the great commission that we're given by Jesus at the end of Matthew in Matthew chapter 28. 18 through 20, Jesus came and he said to them, his disciples and all the people that had gathered, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he looks at his people and he says this word in verse 19. He says, go. He says, go. He says, go. He says that it's our job to go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, verse 20 says, to observe or obey all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And we receive from that great commission this word, go. Listen, the gospel begins with us going. It begins with us Go, and the word go in the original language, you know what it means? It means as you are going. Isn't that cool? It literally means as you are going. When I read that to my, like when I'm in my private time and I'm I'm reading that, I'll read it that way. Like, as I am going, make disciples of all the nations. As I am living my life, teach. As I am doing the things that I do, Find every opportunity that I can to communicate that. And I realize that we live in a day and an age where the type of evangelism that existed, like when I was growing up where you would go up to someone on the street or you'd knock on, on doors and, and homes, that's that, a day and age that is is really kind of gone by. And some, sometimes we can do more harm than good. But I'm going to say this to you, church. This is where we as Christians, I believe, have an obligation. It's not just an opportunity. To communicate the most important message that we could ever communicate to the people in our lives. And I believe that we do have an obligation to do that in some form or fashion. To tell them the story of what Jesus has done for you. To not wait until someone else, a bigger gun, can come in and do it because they may not have that time. And so go means as you are going, but also included in the gospel messages, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power from, uh, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in, what's that next word? Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so go means as you are going, but go also means go. It means to go from one place to the next. And it may not be from Israel to Syria. It may not, may not be from here to Nairobi, but it might be regionally, it might be nationally, and it could be globally for you. I don't know what go means, but church, we need to be ready to go. And that's what I want to leave you with today. Are you ready to go are you ready to go as you are living your lives with the gospel message are you ready to go as in signing up for a short-term trip and going and finding out what it's like to take and deliver and declare that message in a foreign land or in a different place are you ready to go backstage today um brandon and kim And uh, uh, we got some folks that are going to be back there, and um, you can get those amazing T-shirts that they sell. They're like the best T-shirts I've ever had. They're soft. They're really great. You see them all around the island. It's really cool. They're great. Um, You can go back there, and you, you can get them. And every dollar that you pay for those shirts goes right to feeding kids in Nairobi. They've had people underwrite the whole thing so that all the proceeds can go right to that. So when you buy those shirts you're, you're a part of that now um obviously this is uh, something that you know after the service i want you guys to be involved in but they they also have information on um no hungry children what it's all about you can go back there and talk to them ask them um, they would love to they'd love to talk to you today but we've got other opportunities I, I i by the way i would love um to go as a church i'd love to go to nairobi in 2020 wouldn't that be awesome And so we are working on what it looks like to to take a team to i didn't mean all of you by the way Uh, just to clarify i said church that could have meant all of you but i'm talking about a team and it may be a five or it may be a 15 i don't know but um I got to tell you, the the impact that we're making over there is amazing, and I want some of you who feel led by God to go to Nairobi to have that opportunity, and so we're working on a trip in 2020, and backstage, we've got a sign-up sheet if you're interested in finding out more. You're not committing by putting your name down. It's not like we've already bought your ticket. You're you're going. Uh, It's just informational. Um, we've got a trip coming to uh, New York to go up and help the Gallery Church. That's probably going to happen in well, it will happen in 2019. Looks like it might happen in the later part of 2019. Um, we are planning a trip to Atlanta. Clint Trebesh is now the director of all the Atlanta efforts for, um, uh, for Navigators, and um, I, I cannot wait to go up there and, and see what they do and experience what they're going to experience. We might be working with refugees. We might be working with college students. Um, but if you're interested in that trip, it'll just be a short three-day trip because it's not very far. Um, I, I want you to sign up for that. And then we've got a trip to Belize that's already planned. And all the information about that trip um, is, is back there. And when you sign up for that one, um, that's you're also not signing up for the ticket, right? It's to find out more. But I want to encourage you to consider doing what this little servant girl did. And that is is taking the message. Of God's redemptive story to a different place. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? I, I, sure, um, I sure hope that in our lifetime we find a cure for cancer. Don't you? I sure hope that one day there's a pill that we can take if we find out that we've got cancer. And if today you were to find that pill you would announce it to the whole world as best you could, right? You'd jump on social media. You'd be on Facebook and Snapchat, and I don't even know what that is really, but you'd be on Instagram and, all, and Twitter. You would be out there telling everyone, guess what? I found the cure for cancer. And it would be great, and it would be glorious. It would be an amazing thing. And I want you to know that if you're a child of God today, that if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't just have the cure for cancer that might allow us to live another year or five or 20 or 40, depending on if we, when we get cancer. You have a cure for eternity. It is Forever. And why wouldn't we want to in intentional ways and through service and through ways that are just random acts of kindness, through all the different things that we're a part of here locally? I didn't even talk about that today because we're focused on global. Like, why wouldn't we want to be a part of that and telling people our story? Why wouldn't we be a people that want to go as we're going and go here, there, and everywhere? Church, let's be a church that takes seriously the gospel message. Let's be on mission. Let's be prepared to go when God says go. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, I thank you for this this great scarlet thread of your redemptive story. God, I thank you that you chose to send your Son to be that, that final, perfect sacrifice. God, I thank you that you were willing to send Jesus to the cross to die for our sins so that if we put our faith in you, that one day we could be with you in heaven for eternity. But God, I pray that you would God, just do a work in your church and your people. God, I pray that it would begin in my heart, because sometimes I fail at this. But God, I pray that it would begin in my heart and that it would spread all throughout this place, God, that we would be serious about having this global picture, this local and global and personal picture of what the gospel message is and what our part of that spreading of your message is. God, I pray that you would empower us to do what we can in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces. God, and the people we interact with right here. But God, I pray that you would stir up something within us that would prompt us to take that message and to spread it in other places. God, I thank you for our amazing partners. God, I thank you for our partners that we have that do a work beyond just this region thank you for the Trebeshas in Atlanta doing an amazing work in so many different areas, 17 different ministry areas through Navigator spreading your word to to one of the largest cities in the United States. God, I thank you so much for the long relationship that we've had with road kids and the new partnership that we've established with the Oasis of Blessing Church in the jungle of Belize and the far reaches of Belize. God, I thank you that we have the opportunity to go to Belize this summer. I pray that you would bless all of those who choose to go. God, I thank you for the Gallery Church, this new partner that's doing an amazing job in the largest city in the United States in a very difficult place to share the gospel. I pray that you would give them power, And you would give them conviction, God, and how best they can do that. And I thank you for the Smiths who are on this stage here this morning leading us in worship, serving your church. God, but they serve every day by helping kids in Nairobi receive food. And I thank you for the work that they're doing. And I pray your blessing on them. God, may we be people who can say yes, who can answer yes to that question. Are we ready to go? Help us to have the power and to see the opportunity when you provide and to take up every chance you give us to declare your good news. Help us to do that as a church. Help us to do that individually. And God, I pray that you would be blessed by everything that we do and that we say in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.